amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Dirty Armand. It's the day before the national championship game, really about 24 hours or so until the kickoff for Ohio State and Alabama to end the college football season. It's been an unbelievable year for Alabama. It's been a trying year, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's one that uh, you know could end with the 18th national championship in Crimson Tide history and Nick Saban's seventh, which would uh, would uh, uh, put him one ahead of the legendary Paul William Bryant, of course, Coach Bear Bryant at Alabama, who I don't think anyone ever thought that would be possible. But what Nick Saban has done at Alabama has redefine college football history and we could see more of it tomorrow night i of course am with my two cohorts as always uh thomas the wizard watts in the port city of mobile producing the show doing an outstanding job and william redfish barger uh from 89 to 93 a big part of the university of alabama and of course a 1992 national champion in their own right in his own right and uh part of a team that uh, maybe the greatest defense of all time, in my opinion, in Tide history. They went 13-0. Could we see another 13-0 Alabama team if they can uh, vanquish the Ohio State Buckeyes from the Big Ten? But everyone is going to be watching live. It's going to be uh, in Miami. Uh, Alabama was played there last a couple years ago when they vanquished the Oklahoma Sooners in the college football playoff semifinals, and now – uh, they're going to look to vanquish the Ohio State Buckeyes. But uh, going to bring William Redfish Barger into the conversation. William, uh, going to be some interesting storylines in this game. Uh, one of the most interesting, of course, could we see Jalen Waddell? Uh, there's been uh, you know, reports that he's practiced, that he's looked good, uh, but that ultimately it will be up to him as to whether or not he plays. Sounds like that's still up in the air, but something for Ohio State to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I know somebody that was at practice last Tuesday and, um, you know, said he thought like he was good to go. You know, I've since heard some conflicting information. Um, you know, I've really got no, you know, clear idea of, you know, is he going to play or isn't he going to play? I, I, I do think that, um, you know, once you get back into – practice you know it's, it's one thing to go out there and, and a t-shirt and shorts and some cleats and you know run run and cut and change direction but once you put the pads on and start getting hit um you know that that changes that dynamic a little bit but i, I do think like what nick saban said you know in his press conference um early last week it's it's going to be a game time decision and i still feel like um you know it's, it could go either way we'll just have to wait and see um, you know, just having him out there, you know, in a uniform going through warm-ups with the team is, um, you know, probably going to give the Ohio State defensive coordinator a panic attack. But, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how that all works out. But, um, you know, it's it's been such a, you know, a unique year for, you know, games getting canceled and, and COVID concerns. 
um, you know, you just you just never know. But I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to the game tomorrow night. You know, you got probably the the two most storied programs in college football history when you factor in wins with national championships and all Americans and NFL draft picks. Um, you know, I just think it's a a great reward for such a trying season for college football fans to get to watch. Yeah, no doubt about that. And since we last uh, recorded an episode, uh, Alabama added the uh, third Heisman Trophy winner uh, in their history, and that is, of course, Devontae Smith, uh, as he wins a the vote over Trevor Lawrence, who was a little bit surprising that he finished second. Uh, you have Mac Jones, what a story he's been this year, finishing third. And then, of course, uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, as we said, was the runner-up. And then uh, Kyle Trask finishing fourth in the Heisman vote. But uh, Devontae Smith, uh, you know, I think has been the best player in America. He really came on from the middle of the season on. And really, it, it ties back into Jalen Waddle. When Jalen Waddle went down, Devontae Smith continued his uh, unbelievable play and uh, he always shows up for big games and you know and so it's uh, he his production has been off the charts he's had as good or better of a year than Jamar Chase had a year ago when LSU uh, you know was uh, an offense that everyone said they'd never seen before in college football I think Alabama has staked their own claim and of course you have to say Devontae's done it in less games because LSU, of course, played the full 15. Alabama will only play 13, but still an unbelievable year for Devontae Smith. And now that's pretty amazing, William. Three Heisman Trophy winners since 2009. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, you know, I think it would be a, a great end to a great season for them to go, you know, wire to wire, undefeated, playing, a, you know, a, a complete, you know, SEC schedule, you know, plus Notre Dame and in the playoffs and, and Ohio State and the national championship game. And, um, you, you know, as, as great as, um, you know, it was for for Devonta to win the, the, the Heisman, um, I enjoyed probably even more so um, the Alabama College Football Award show on ESPN. Uh, I guess that was Thursday night. Um, thought it was a, a really, really uh, fitting end and a real cool moment, you know, when Landon Dickerson won the Remington and he brought the whole offensive line out there. Um, just, just you know, you could we could spend hours on the end, you know, talking about, you know, this, this 2020 Alabama football team. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think it goes back to, you know, Drew, the, the quote that Nick Saban made back in the summer um, during fall camp, um, you know, I, I guess we all should have sat up and paid more attention to it back then because it certainly proved to be true, um, you know, when he made the comment that this team just had great chemistry. And, you know, I think we were, we can all be in full agreement now that that certainly played out during the course of the season. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And I think when you saw the college football awards show, that was the biggest key and the biggest uh, sign that what kind of chemistry this team has is, of course, it was an Alabama infomercial. Uh, certainly, the only bit of uh, surprising news uh, that uh, you know that came out was Patrick Sertain did not win the Thorpe Award like many thought he would. Uh, he was named a first team All American, you know, uh, by Walter Camp, which is not surprising. Uh, he's had one hell of a of a, of a season. 
the best corner in America. Of course, the safety from TCU wins the award. Uh, you know, great player in his own right. Not going to take anything away from him. Just surprised Sertain did not win the award. Uh, but again, uh, the, the rest of the night was, uh, you know, all Alabama. You know, Alex Leatherwood winning the Outland Trophy for the uh, best interior lineman in college football. Uh, you had, uh, of course, the Doak Walker Award with, uh, uh, with Najee Harris, best running back in America. Uh, and then uh, you had uh, the uh, Bolitnikoff Award plus uh, the Maxwell Award going to Devontae Smith. Uh, right and rightfully so, just an unbelievable year for Devontae. So much hardware. The Davey O'Brien Award going to Mac Jones. I thought that was an outstanding win uh, for the University of Alabama to go along with his Johnny Unitas Award to to piggyback off AJ McCarron winning that and finishing second in the Heisman himself in 2013. So uh, it was a it was a great night for Alabama, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, Nick Saban didn't win Coach of the Year, but that usually doesn't happen. Jamie Chadwell did at Coastal Carolina. People kind of take Coach Saban for granted, but still, it was a great night for the Tide. And then later on, uh, a couple of days later, you know, the long snapper of the year goes to Thomas Fletcher. So uh, this this has been a, – but, but I guess the, the, what I was referring to is the Remington Award, of course, going the best center in America, going to Landon Dickerson even though he will not play in the national championship game. But, William, it was good to see him bring basically the entire offense out with him uh, to accept that award. No, yeah, it was. And, and, you know, what a, you know, intriguing story. I mean, you know, th- this is, I think, probably the, you know, the one of the better examples I can point out of, of you know, as far as, you know, Nick Saban's process um, since he's been at the helm of the Alabama program, you know, Landon Dickerson, you know, when he was at Florida State, albeit, you know, he was, you know, working for one of the most overrated offensive line coaches in college football history and Rick Trickett. Um, you know, they had him playing out of position a lot at right tackle. He struggled with injuries. You know, I, I would have said, you know, based on his, his recruiting rankings and stuff, you know, kind of a, you know, an injury plague kind of journeyman-like career at Florida State you know, comes to Alabama, you know, he's got much better players that he's surrounded with. And, you know, the guy just flourished and and kind of became the, you know, got named, you know, a permanent team captain, wins the Remington Award, you know, has a hand in the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line um, in college football, which I thought was very well deserved. And, uh, you know, get your your knee healed up. He's probably going to play in the NFL as long as his body allows him to, which, you know, he does have, you know, a, a checkered past with injuries. Um, hopefully that'll allow him to, uh, um, he'll get past that and be able to have a nice NFL career. But I, I think that, you know, in a behind the scenes, um, you know, kind of under the radar, um, you know, type of a, a, a career, you know, he was really the glue, I think, with, with the uh, um, the 2020 team. I mean, you saw the way his teammates responded when he got hurt. You know, you saw the way they responded when he won the Remington Award. And I think he's probably the unsung hero, um, you know, of this 2020 team. And you can just see the, the magnetic effect that he has on that football team and the way the other players and, you know, his teammates respond to him. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a – you know, an off shucks kind of guy, just kind of a, 
you know, a, a lunch pail guy that goes to work every day and, um, you know, does his job and, and uh, you know, makes all those calls to get everything dialed up on the line of scrimmage in, in, a, in a, you know, the proper fashion. But, you know, I, I don't think that young man gets enough credit um, for the, the energy and the, the passion that he brought, um, you know, to that program over the last two years. Yeah, no question. Yeah, he was a definite leader on that team and nasty football player uh, between the lines and, uh, but someone that uh, I think uh, everyone loved to be around, as you can tell, uh, when he won that award. And, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to him. Hopefully he's healing well. Uh, I've heard that uh, he's doing just fine. He's on the road to recovery. Wish we could see him for one last time with this group uh, on Monday night. We won't see that. And like I said, we'll see on Jalen Waddle, who has had a remarkable recovery from uh, his fractured ankle slash leg. But we still don't know. If he is going to try to play at all in the game, that's going to be unknown. Uh, we've been hearing positive things, but again, uh, the, the, the one thing that I'll say is it's going to be left up to Jalen Waddle on Monday night. So we will see, you know, what happens there. But William, to, to piggyback off the uh, uh, the situation with Landon Dickerson, I know you watched both games, and we saw Ohio State play their best game of the year in annihilating Clemson. Uh, now, after watching that game, of course, watching Alabama-Notre Dame, watching Chris Owens in the pivot, I know there was concerns about him going into that contest because of struggles in the past at center. I thought he performed pretty pretty solidly. Uh, but your thoughts on how you see him matching up with Ohio State? Well, before I do that, and I, I should have uh, shared this last week, and I forgot, but us talking about him, jarred my memory and I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to frame this without it turning into a HIPAA violation um prior to Landon Dickerson uh going under the knife to have his ACL repaired um he looked at the person that was performing the surgery and said look if you just cut the damn ACL ligament out can I play <laughs> That's uh, that, that definitely sounds like Landon Dickerson, no doubt about it. <laughs> um, but but as far there. as your question about about Chris Owens, I mean, you know, look, let's just be honest. I mean, there was an obvious drop off um, between Landon Dickerson and Chris Owens. I mean, was it huge? Did it lead to um, less production in the running game? Was you know Mac Jones harassed um, because of his play? No, but. Um, you know, there's an obvious drop-off there. Um, but do I think it's enough to cost Alabama the win versus Ohio State? Um, you know, I think it, it could, you know, maybe involve – Ohio State has a really good front seven um, where things start to digress and become an issue for Ohio State is the back end of their defense, which – at last check, and don't quote me on this, but I think Ohio State comes in at 108 or 110 in the country in pass defense. Right. Um, so I, I think Ohio State's front seven, um, you know, has the ability to slow Alabama's rushing game down a little bit. Um, but when you look at the deficiencies in the back end of that defense and the secondary, um, if, if Alabama and, and, you know, including Chris Owens, if Alabama's offensive line, you know, can keep a proven commodity in Matt Jones, who seems to perform his best, 
under duress. I think he's the number one quarterback in the country, statistically under pressure. Um, you, you could see a bombastic passing performance, you know, between Mac Jones and, and uh, you know, Devonta Smith and John Mechie tomorrow night. Yeah, and I, I got to say, too, I watched a, a lot of that Clemson game, as you did, and even Sean Wade is their best corner, and he's got a huge reputation, but he was struggling against Clemson and was really looking lost at times in coverage. I, you know, in Ohio State's known for pretty good secondary play, but I really think it, it, when you talk about this year's matchup, that Alabama has a huge advantage with their tight ends and wide receivers going up against Ohio State. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, one of Alabama's, you know, Alabama fans, you know, favorite things to do is to, you know, moan and groan about recruiting losses, and, and I thought this is a pretty interesting uh, comparison. Um, do, you, do you wish that Alabama would have landed? You know, there was a period of time where people thought Alabama was going to land Sean Wade. Yeah. Uh, but would you, trade, would you trade Patrick Sertan or Josh Job for Sean Wade? I sure wouldn't. Or another another recruiting loss to Ohio State that, that Alabama suffered was one Barrett Browning. Um, would you trade Barrett Browning for one Will Anderson? I sure wouldn't. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and you know, I think overall, too, when you look at this matchup, uh, even with whether they have Waddle or not, you've still got, uh, you know, <laughs> The, the underrated John Mechie, who's had a really good year. Uh, of course, Devontae Smith, who I don't think they're going to be able to contain. And then Jaleel Billingsley's development. Uh, and you'll have uh, – you should have a, a healthy Slade Bolden as well. So, Alabama will have plenty of weapons. And they'll have plenty uh, – you know, and, and they've got a healthy, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Mac Jones, which I think uh, – I'm hoping he'll stake his claim as – college football's best quarterback after this game he you know he's actually my uh my my pick for mvp in the game i think he's going to play really really well and uh, we'll have our picks for the game later but uh, i just think alabama is going to have too many weapons you talked about Najee harris and i still think William, you're right uh yeah but a big storyline in the game too is going to be the availability for ohio state uh you know there's a lot of rumors going around about you know who's going to be available and some COVID-related situations, and that's just part of it this year. I mean, cry me a river. I'm not going to, you know, feel sorry for Ohio State because you know I know their players and coaches wanted to play, but their their leadership in their league, you know, did not handle themselves very well. And then you know they've tried to circumvent their own rules so many times. So that's what's going that, that that's going to be something that's very interesting. But you know, I, I still think. When you look at it, there's been a lot of rumors about Tommy Togiai, who played really well uh, against uh, Clemson, one of their interior DLs, and Tyreek Smith, a kid, a kid I think Alabama recruited a little bit, that they both may be out due to the virus. Personally, I hope they're not. I want them to be full strength, uh, but there's uh, there's rumors that they're going to be out. And then the other heavy rumor today was that, and this is very interesting, uh, that, bo- that both the punter and kicker for Ohio State, Blake Hawbell, and Dominic DiMaggio could both be out, and it would leave Jake Siebert up to do handle all those duties. So uh, Ohio State could be short some guys, but again, 
cry me a river. Alabama has lost guys. Just think about uh, 2016 when they had that. I think that team was the best team in America. But you have no Eddie Jackson by the time the national championship game comes along. No Sean Deion Hamilton, and then you lose Bo Scarborough in the middle of the game, who looked like he was headed to his second straight MVP performance, and really was never the same again. Uh, had a pretty decent year the next year, but I never thought it was as explosive. So again, injuries, COVID, it's part of it. So Alabama's just, I think we're going to be ready to go no matter who Ohio State has, but uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of follow those storylines for the Buckeyes. Well, I mean, these are, you know, some of the concerns, and I don't have a lot of them. I I think Alabama's, you know, 10 to 14 points better than Ohio State without the COVID concerns and and the current injuries. But, um, and and, you know, something, you know, I'd like to get, you know, Thomas in on this later as well. I I know we're hitting the rewind button here, but I, I would like to talk about, after we get through talking about this Ohio State matchup, talking about some of the glaring areas um, that I thought that Ohio State matchup showcased where Clemson has gone backwards as a program um, that that showed up in their playoff game versus Ohio State. But, you know, this is what it boils down to me. Um, Just how limited is Justin Fields going to be, you know, with the rib injury? You know, if you take away – you know, him as a run threat, and, and what I mean by that is if he's got a separated rib, a cracked rib, I, there's no amount of Toradol that can fix that. He's not going to want to get hit. Um, it's going to make him think twice on zone read plays um, about, you know, pulling that ball out of Trey Sermon's bread basket and taking off and running. Uh, but, but, but to me, I, I mean, I think Job and Sertain are going to do a, a good job of slowing down the, the two good Ohio State wide receivers. If you take away Fields as a dual-threat quarterback and just basically stick him back there in the pocket, you know, then it comes down to the way Ohio State utilizes their tight ends. And both of those guys are weapons especially versus an Alabama defense where the linebackers and safeties, you know, struggle to cover linebackers and maybe even a Trey Sermon, you know, in the passing game. But, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think it's interesting. Certainly it sounds like Ohio State's got some COVID issues. We'll see tomorrow night, uh, what, 50 minutes from now tomorrow night, almost 24 hours, like you said. Um, yeah, Alabama doesn't have any. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen whether or not – we know they won't have Landon Dickerson. We don't know yet one way or the other if they're going to have Jalen Waddle. But I, I just think that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's got so many weapons and toys to play with. Um, you've talked about Mac Jones. I think he's done a great job this season, and I think he did a great job you know, last year after Tua got hurt, um, you know, when he actually won me over last year was the way he responded in the second half um, after the two pick sixes down there on the Plains versus Auburn and then, you know, turned around uh, in the bowl game versus Michigan with an outstanding performance. I think you saw some foreshadowing, you know, at that time as to what he was going to be able to do this season. But, you know, I think if, if Justin Fields is limited – 
you know, if they, if he can't be utilized in, you know, as a run threat, um, you know, and I'm no Pete Golding fan, but if he is limited, um, I think it's going to make Pete Golding's job a lot easier. Yeah, no doubt about it. And former players already uh, flocking into Miami to be there for the uh, national championship game. We've already seen photos of Jalen Hurts uh, and, of course, Raekwon Davis. Raekwon playing for the Dolphins. Sure, Tua Tungo-Vailoa will be there as well. Uh, there's gonna Usually that's the one good thing. Alabama, I, I know it's a little bit different with COVID, but they will have, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, C.J. Mosley looks like Reggie Ragland. A lot of guys are going to be there, uh, a lot of alums to support the University of Alabama. So that's going to be great. And, William, you bring up some really good points about that. Uh, you know, I still think the key to all this, I thought it was similar to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they, I thought they had to contain Tyron Williams and not let him have just an otherworldly day, and they did that. They held him to 60-plus yards rushing. He may he caught some passes, but he was he was not a dominant force in the game. And then for for Ohio State in the playoff, which basically the Big Ten championship game was a playoff game, and then their performance against Clemson, the guy that's really stepped forward has been Trey Sermon. We talked about him last week, uh, the uh, graduate transfer from Oklahoma, who Alabama, I believe, played against. Uh, you know, two years ago in 2018, he was on the OU team at that time. I know he only had some injuries during his time at OU as well. But Sermon uh, had transferred to Ohio State, really hadn't done a lot during the regular season, and had not had the impact they thought he would. But in the playoff, he has been unbelievable as a runner and receiver. They've got to contain him because uh, I feel it was unbelievable. Had the game of his career against Clemson. But I thought that, that Sermon's performance, he had over 200 all-purpose yards. He rushed for over 300 against Northwestern. So, to me, you're right. Field's health is a huge factor, but they've got to contain Trey Sermon. Yeah, they do. And, and I think, you know, if, if, you know, Fields is not – and I agree. And, you know, you got to give that kid credit to, to come back, you know, in the second half after, after getting the – Tore it all, quarter zone, lidocaine, milkshake. I, I didn't think he would be able to keep playing at the level that he was playing prior to the injury. Um, I also think that, you know, an injured Justin Fields benefited from um, probably one of the worst Clemson defenses um, that I, I've seen. You know, they, they've gone backwards in a big way. Um, on the defensive side of the football. I also think they've gone backwards in a big way on their offensive line. Mm. Um, I just don't see Ohio State's front seven. I, you know, I could be wrong, but I just don't see them having their way um, with Alabama's offensive line the way that front seven did with Clemson's offensive line. Um, you know, I, I think one of the, the coolest things about the college football playoffs is, you know, maybe Najee Harris got overlooked a little bit. Um, I certainly could have, especially after, you know, Trask's performance in the SEC championship game, by Alabama bias, you know, set aside, I could have never voted for Kyle Trask over Najee Harris. But it does appear to be after the uh, unbelievable hurdle um, he's going to go down in Alabama football history and have his own Daniel Moore print with that hurdle uh, move. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just – I think that 
as good as this Ohio State team peaked and played versus Clemson, it's going to be a much bigger uptick in competition um, for them to face this Alabama football team. Um, you know, I think Alabama's faced, you know, the, the, that Texas A&M teams probably, you know, could, could, could compete against Ohio State. Um, a, a fully healthy complement of a Florida could probably give Ohio State for, for a, run, a run for their money. Uh, but I just think, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to be a bigger uptick in competition for Ohio State to manage and deal with, and it's going to be for Alabama. Yeah, and uh, no question about that. And like I say, Alabama's front seven, they're going to have to, you know, this is a money game for Christian Barmore if, he is, if this is going to be his last game in Crimson. He's going to be a first-round pick. He needs to do his job, be assignment sound, play the run, of course, get after the QB, uh, no doubt about that. And then Dylan Moses, you know, he's had an up-and-down year. He had some very revealing comments about how much pain he's been in. But, you know, the, the last uh, you know impression he can make could be a great one if he plays well in the national championship game. And then, of course, Christian Harris. Uh, he's going to be big in this game, but especially the outside linebackers. My – Defensive pick for MVP is Will Anderson. I think he could have a great game in this one. Uh, he and Chris Allen have been really good at, at the outside positions. So they're going to have to contain fields, get after him. And as you said, William, he's not going to be 100%. I think we all understand that. So uh, Alabama needs to take advantage of that. You know, be able to make him feel them, uh, make him, uh, you know, want to get rid of the ball quick uh, and not take hits. And so uh, Alabama's going to have to get after those guys. And I do like Alabama's secondary better than Ohio State. So I think you make a great point about the corners, Sertain and Job. Job's had a really solid year, really good year, been very physical. And then the one the one factor that it looks like that came out today, William, from the press conference with Nick Saban, the last one before the game, it looks like Malachi Moore. And that was one thing I was chasing was, would he be available because he missed the majority of the Notre Dame game with a quad and hammy? It doesn't look like he's going to play in this game. Nick Saban called him extremely questionable, and, and Nick Saban parlays that I would I think that's not going to be a fact. He's not going to be a factor in the game. That means true freshman Brian Branch will be playing uh, the uh, star, and he has looked good at times this year, no doubt. He has talent. And then DeMarco Hellams had a game-high 12 tackles against Notre Dame, so they have some confidence in him. In your mind, defensively, I know you really like the corners, but how big a loss is Malachi Moore for this game? Wow, I didn't realize until you just said it that he wasn't available. I, I, I think that's a huge loss for Alabama. Um, I, I, I just, you know, thought they kind of held him out, you know, against Notre Dame for precautionary reasons. I didn't realize this was something that was going to spill over um, to the national championship game. I mean, he's he's arguably the the best you know, true freshman DB in college football and, and earned that reputation um, on the field. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, some of the players that you touched on, you know, can, can Dylan Moses put it together? Um, I, I really kind of shied away and didn't really like his press conference. Um you know, when he talked about quitting this year and, and, you know, playing with pain, you know, if that was the case, the, the, the most probably disappointing thing about this storied Alabama season that they had this year 
when, when you factor in, you know, that it was a freebie year per the NCAA because of the COVID stuff, I, I'm, I'm really curious as to why, you know, at least in a lot of the blowouts, and God knows there was a lot of them, that, that Alabama, you know, that Pete Golding and Nick Saban, you know, didn't make more of an attempt to get some of those true freshmen inside linebackers, you know, out there on the field and get them some playing time. There, there's a lot of really talented players there, um, especially once we, you know, filter into spring practice. I mean, it's going to be Jalen Moody and Christian Harris are, are obviously going to be the bell cows going into spring practice. But there's a lot of talented guys, you know, at that position that we really didn't get to see much of this year. Um, I'm kind of curious about as, as to why they chose not to, you know, kind of integrate them a little bit into the playing time with, you know, still being able to redshirt them if you want to per the NCAA and the COVID stuff. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, Christian Barmore needs to have a um, a good night and be disruptive. Um, you know, I, I think I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, Chris Allen has, has proven to be a really, really big part of this defense. Um, I don't know if there is a um, more disruptive, more dynamic edge guy in college football this year than, than the true freshman Will Anderson. He is just, especially in the, you know, the month of November and December, just, you know, gone Donkey Kong on college football with quarterback hurries, pressures, tackles for loss, sacks. Um, you know, if you want to get statistical, that's, that's Thomas's area, not mine, but that, that, that was kind of why I said, you know, are you really sad that you lost Barrett Browning to Ohio state? Will Anderson's freshman season, you know, kind of shits all over Barrett Browning's four year career at, at Ohio state statistically, uh, when you look at what he's done. So I, I think, you know, now knowing that Malachi Moore is not going to be available, we know what Job and Sertan are going to do. Um, but I think the key guys defensively for tomorrow night are going to be Brian Branch, Will Anderson, Chris Allen, and Christian Barmore. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, those are going to be some uh, some of the key guys defensively. Jordan Battle going to have to play well at the safety spot for Alabama as well. And, I'm going to bring Thomas into the conversation now. And, Thomas, uh, you know, we, William was talking about uh, your, your analytics. And, uh, the, and I know you've been kind of uh, crunching the numbers and breaking this uh, uh, matchup down and studying Ohio State. Uh, first of all, I mean, what do, you, what do you think the keys are for Alabama against the Buckeyes? Well, more than anything, so, so let's talk the Alabama offense. The thing that will be very illustrative – very, very early, Drew, is that how does the Alabama offensive line, Chris Owens and the crew, handle what is the strength of the Ohio State defense in the front seven? There have been rumors that several of those players are going to be out for the, with COVID concerns. I Frankly, I don't want to touch that. I'm just going to assume they're going to be there. The problem is if they're not there, suddenly this issue goes away. And if it goes away, Ohio State doesn't stand a chance of stopping the Alabama offense. Sean Wade is Ohio State's best corner, and the broadcast highlighted how he wants to play wide receivers, where he wants to press up on the line of scrimmage 
and then bail out really, really hard. He, he press and bails with the best of them, which I, I suppose you want to do that to try and jam a wide receiver so he didn't get a free release, but that's not going to get it done against Alabama. And a lot of what Ohio State did, even when they were dismantling Clemson, is they did pretty much the same thing in terms of offense or allowed yards output. They did a great job shutting down Travis Etienne, but the Clemson offensive line, I mean, maybe Jackson Carmen would be able to compete for a starting position at Alabama. I, I personally don't see it, given the fact that he'd be at one of the tackle spots, and the Alabama tackles have been awesome this year. But otherwise, you know, they're, they're, they're just dudes. They're not, they're not going to – they don't blow you away. But I really – I think that if Alabama stays balanced and they've been balanced against everybody this year, Ohio State's not going to be able to stop this offense. Uh, this is an empty-the-tank game. You know, Steve Sarkeesian's all gas, no breaks comes to mind. And when you go to the other side of the ball – the thing that made Alabama's defense a lot better in the back half of the year, as has been stated, was Chris Allen, Chris Allen's and Will Anderson's development, excuse me. And what that actually translates to is not just sacks, but creating havoc. Where was Alabama weak? They were weak in the center of their defense where a, a running back would get out on a, on a wheel route or a tight end would go crazy. And they would be open because the Alabama defense was confused. Well, as Anderson and Allen really exploded on the scene, that havoc rate meant that they did that the back end didn't have to stick as close as long, and so everything slowed down. Now, the wise observer would say, "Well, what about Florida? You know, Florida put up forty six, and that was two games ago." Well, okay, Kyle Pitts will be tight end number one in the NFL draft. He might go in the top five. Kadarius Tony has Kadarius Tony, excuse me, has first round wide receiver written all over him. The only reason he won't go in the first round is because he's going up against Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase, among others, that might push him down to a second round draft pick. But that's going to be one of the steals of the draft if that's how it goes. So, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are both really good wide receivers, but they're running into the strength of the Alabama defense. But the thing with Pitts, or the thing with Florida was, Alabama defenders were in spots to make plays consistently. They didn't make them because Kyle Pitts is Godzilla, and Kyle Pitts will do that to NFL teams. So I'm not really worried about it, assuming Alabama just plays their game. And Alabama's never been put in a situation this year where they've had to really expand beyond themselves because they've been so dominant in necessary occasions, and when they've been pushed, they've responded that I'm really not – I think the, the path to victory for Ohio State is ridiculously narrow, and it starts with a level of play that we've only seen against the Clemson Tigers. But if there's one thing that you can unequivocally say about this bowl season – is that the ACC was vastly overrated as a conference because those teams suffered consistently in bowl games from Clemson down through NC State into the middling group. So 
I don't think, you know, people are going to say, oh, because Ohio State beat Clemson so badly, they'll be able to compete with Alabama. I think there's some very specific matchup situations, particularly comparing the back part of the Clemson defense, the two safeties, even with when Nolan Turner came back in the second half, the back half of that defense couldn't stand up to the Ohio State wide receivers. Also, Ohio State wants to hit you with balance. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but Ohio State wants to be balanced, similar to Alabama. If Ohio State gets into a track meet and Trey Sermon slowed down, the offense is going to start falling apart because Alave and Wilson are, like I say, they're legitimate wide receivers, but I'll take Pat Sertan and Josh Job against those two guys any day of the week. They'll win some, they'll lose some, but that's not a bad spot to be in if you're Pete Golding in his Alabama defense, Drew. Yeah, and I still think Alabama has a special teams advantage as well. They've got Will Riker, who's been unbelievable uh, kicking the football, and then they've got, and of course, we know, as I've mentioned earlier in the show, you know, Ohio State could have some COVID concerns with their kicking game, and then you've got uh, Charlie Scott, who's done a, a solid job punting. You know, we don't know if Jalen Waddle is going to play yet. Uh, and, and if he would be on on uh, return, I I would I would say that they would still go with Devontae Smith, who's gotten comfortable returning punts, and wouldn't surprise me if he makes a big play in the kicking game. And then they've got Julio Billingsley returning kickoffs, you know, which is unusual for a tight end, but he is not your normal tight end. So I do think Alabama could have an advantage in the kicking game there as well. Uh, but again, we will see. But I do think Alabama has an advantage, really, in all three phases of this game. Uh, I think they're the healthier team, which is big. You know, certainly, uh, I wanted to ask you, Thomas, though. William talked about what a big loss it is. Your thoughts on the loss, potentially, it looks like, of Malachi Moore in the secondary. Well, with Brian Branch, so one of the things that the Alabama defense did against Notre Dame was yeah. you saw DeMarco, more DeMarco Hellams, and yes. you saw Brian Branch in Malachi Moore's place. Now, I didn't look at the, the pro football focus grades for the game. I, I just I, I reference them sometimes, but half the time I throw them out. And Notre Dame was a really weird game anyway because of the few possessions. You know, both teams only had eight possessions because Alabama was trying to get out of the way, and Notre Dame was trying to grind Alabama down even when they were down three or four scores. But I don't think Branch was that bad. And so with the fact that he's able, Branch was able to get some experience in a big game. And and no no matter how much Alabama overmatched Notre Dame, Notre Dame is a good football team. Alabama's just a great one. Notre Dame would – I'll be honest. I think the game of the year that we didn't get to see would have been Notre Dame-Texas A&M because those two two teams would have just wanted to beat the hell out of each other for four quarters, and that would have been a grand time. But anyway, I digress. He he has some experience there, and those adjustments were big in giving Alabama size and giving Alabama physicality to handle the big Notre Dame tight ends. I, I don't know how that deployment is going to actually work against uh, Ohio State because Ohio State has some legitimate tight ends, but their passing game isn't like an inside-out passing game where you generally want to look to the tight ends first. 
But, I mean, overall, it is a loss. It's unfortunate. But it's not like you're going from Malachi Moore, freshman All-America, fantastic slot cornerback, to Thomas Watts, who runs a six-flat 40 and whose ankles would actually explode if you asked him to cover a slot corner, a slot wide receiver. So I, yeah. I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, and, and really Alabama needs to watch for Jeremy Rucker to tie it in in the red zone. He's got five touchdown catches, only 12 catches on the year, but you saw him be a big factor against Clemson uh, in the red zone. So that's where Alabama will need to watch for Rucker because Ohio State's got a really good offense. They're going to move the football, but, you know, it's good. the key is going to be Alabama being disruptive. They're going to have to force a couple of turnovers. If they can get a few stops, maybe two stops per half, with Alabama's offense, I still think uh, that they're going to be very difficult to stop. I don't think Ohio State will hold Alabama under 40. I really don't. I wouldn't give a damn if they've got everybody available on their defense because I think Alabama's got a transcendent offense that could have scored 40 with ease against Notre Dame and uh, took the, the, the pedal off the gas. But this is a legacy game for Alabama for these seniors and for these guys that all came back. You know, they're trying to make a statement to be – one of the best teams in college football history, and especially one of the best offenses. And so you want to leave your mark in this game and show the world how good you are. And hopefully, I, I think this is a special group that's extremely focused. Uh, you know, I don't think this is 2018 all over again. When you go back and look at that, that was one of Nick Saban's weakest coaching staffs. They were very good recruiters, but weren't very good game coaches in a lot of ways. Uh, and it all came to roost in the uh, against Clemson. And a lot of guys were already looking to leave. And I don't, you know, certainly this time. And I thought there was a telling comment from Nick Saban today when he talked about how mature Steve Sarkeesian had approached this and how he had absolutely no problem with him and how he's handled it going to Clemson, or excuse me, going to Texas, pardon me. And I thought, you know, that was a shot at Lane Kiffin, first of all, but also just that 2018 group. I think we're going to, Alabama's going to have at least four, I think, new coaches next year. But I think the ones that are leaving are handling themselves with class. I think they're handling themselves. They want, they know that this team deserves to win a title. And I'm looking forward to them, you know, making a statement in the game, no doubt about it. But I wanted to come back to William. William, I know we haven't seen this dude really since early in the season. Nick Saban did sound like he is going to play in the game and be in the rotation. Uh, how, how significant could it be to get a guy like LeBron Ray back for this game? to play and, and provide depth on the D-line? Well, I mean, if he's 100% healthy, it would be a huge boost. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that, you know, when he's at the five-technique defensive end position, he's able to set the edge. Um, you know, he, he's not your prototypical pass rusher, but, you know, he does have a, you know, a good little toolbox in his arsenal. He's able to, you know, line up wide and come underneath offensive tackles. Uh, but, but, you know, I think the, the biggest thing, if he is, you know, 100% available tomorrow night, um, that could be a big factor versus Ohio State would be his ability to, you know, diagnose running plays quickly, um, you know, whether or not, you know, a, a running back's getting the ball on a, on a zone read play or the quarterback's going to pull it. You know, he does have the athleticism and the versatility to, you know, back out of that you know, that, that deal and, and, and take the quarterback. Uh, but if he's available, you know, that makes this Alabama front seven, 
um, much more formidable. And, and, you know, it's not a bad Alabama front seven. Um, you know, in my personal opinion, I think they've, um, you know, at times kind of underperformed based on, you know, the ability that they have. I mean, you know, I wanted to see more Christian Barmore. I wanted to see more, you know, Timmy Smith. You know, certainly Allen and Will Anderson's development has, has you know, come into focus um, in the months of November and December. Um, but, you know, having a guy like that that's, you know, able to set the edge and, um, you know, shed blockers and, and, you know, he's not a bad pass rusher. That's certainly not his forte. But if he's available and he's 100%, that's a big, big benefit to Alabama tomorrow night versus Ohio State. Yeah, and, I mean, it looks like he will play. Uh, Nick Saban uh, was basically hinting strongly at that in the press conference today that he – would be available. Those were the, the three guys that got the most attention, Jalen Waddell, uh, who is, you know, it's going to be a game-time decision uh, is basically what we're saying. And then uh, really up to the young man. And then we'll, and then we also, as we said, doesn't look like Malachi Moore, very doubtful. But we haven't seen LeBron Ray. He did not dress out against Notre Dame. He has not played much since suffering that, uh, that injury after the Ole Miss game in practice uh, with his elbow. So, We'll see if he can go on uh, Monday night. That would be big. Uh, you know, he's a guy that has NFL talent, but he's just had a really rough injury history. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, I, I, he would be a, a boon for the Tide, no doubt about it. And, you know, for, for me, I, you know, when, when, I, when I look at the matchup, I just think that uh, Ohio State's a very talented offense. They're going to score some points. I'm under no delusions. Uh, you know, my, I'm going to go ahead with my pick for the game. I have Alabama winning this game 42-28. to 28. Uh, I do think that Ohio State is going to score some points, but I think this Alabama offense is going to be too much for them. I expect Alabama's defense to force a couple of turnovers. Uh, you know, I expect them to get some stops in the game, but Ohio State will score, but I just think Alabama's going to put too much pressure on them. And I do think we could even see a uh, – I, I, I guess the best way to put it is uh, Alabama, it's been interesting to watch Sark attack, uh, you know, defenses. In many ways, sometimes he'll come out, establish the run, then get Mac Jones going. I think this could be opposite. I think they could come out throwing uh, and attack that Ohio State secondary. And then in the second half, see a lot of Najee Harris, uh, you know, pounding on this defense and wearing them out and still getting uh, his 100-plus yards. He's had an amazing season in his own right. Uh, we didn't see him reach the end zone against Ohio State. I mean, excuse me, against Notre Dame. I expect him to reach the end zone against Ohio State in his final game in a Crimson Tide uniform. And hopefully they're going to put a, you know, a, uh, a explanation point, you know, on this uh, uh, season for the Tide, no doubt about it. And, I mean, uh, I think uh, it, hopefully they can get through the game injury-free because, you know, uh, an injury played a huge part in the outcome of the game against Clemson in 2016 with Bo Scarborough, but if this group is healthy and focused, I think they're going to make a statement on Saturday and be, you know, one of the uh, the greatest Crimson Tide teams of all time. It's been, and I, I still say, and I, I, I pay supreme reverence to William, your group defensively as being the best defense I've ever seen. Personally, uh, if Alabama goes out and performs well, I mean, I think their low for the season is the 31 they scored against Notre Dame. But if they score 40-plus against Ohio State, 
to me, I, this is the best Alabama offense I've ever seen. I know when you were red-shirting at Alabama, they had the 89 group that was really good, that uh, didn't finish the season great, but was really potent and fun to watch. But to me, this is the best Alabama offense I've ever seen. Oh, no, no, no doubt. Me too. And, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch. Um, you know, my prediction on the game is, you know, Alabama 38, Ohio State 27. Mm-hmm. And that's similarly, uh, you know, along the lines of what I believe. I think that Alabama is going to pull away and, and win this by double digits. And uh, before I go on a little uh, diatribe and about Alabama basketball to end our show, uh, uh, I, I'm, I've got uh, – I wanted to uh, bring Thomas in to give his prediction. And as everyone's heard, I've, my offensive and defensive MVPs are going to be Mac Jones and Will Anderson. Uh and uh, before I bring in Thomas William, do you have any thoughts on the MVPs for the game? Who are you kind of looking at to, to, to play well? Well, I mean, I, you know, you make it pretty easy. I, I think uh, uh, Mac Jones and Will Anderson certainly could be the offensive and defensive MVPs of the game. But at the same time, you know, and this is coming from a, you know, a guy that's not really a basketball person, but I, I certainly think that, we need to uh, give you some, you know, at least five minutes at the end of the broadcast to talk about the Alabama basketball performance right now. Um, it's caught my attention. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and uh, Thomas, uh, before I, I, I uh, you know, give some thoughts on Nate Oates and Alabama's unbelievable start in basketball in the SEC play, 4-0 and for the first time since 1987, which, of course, was a team – uh, is coached by Wimp Sanderson that won the SEC regular season, won the SEC tournament, and went to the Sweet 16. Uh, what is your prediction for the game? Okay, so I think that the Alabama offense, from a statistical standpoint, is the most efficient offense of all time. Uh, it's more efficient than last year's LSU group, just barely. But essentially, the, the two offenses, in terms of efficiencies and ability to really – run away with a game, they're unparalleled. Now, I actually have this game getting a lot higher scoring than both of you because I think Alabama's defense is going to have a hell of a task in front of them because Ohio State wants to be balanced, and they have the athletes to be balanced. Trey Sermon's a really, really good running back, and I think the Ohio State offensive line is good, good enough to open some holes in that Alabama defense. I actually have this one getting very high scoring. I have Alabama 52-42 because I really – I think this is a game where if you can pull down maybe even just three stops, whether it's a punt or a turnover, you're going to win. I just don't think the defenses have the firepower – to hold these offenses down. Uh, I do, like I said before, I do think the Florida offense from a passing standpoint had more talent, but Florida's rush offense is, is functionally not there. And Ohio State has a legitimate run threat. So they're going to put up points, but again, this Alabama offense is so good that I think we actually undervalue how insanely well it has played throughout the season. And, I mean, I've sung praises throughout, and I'm not saying you guys haven't either. It's just when we look back on this one, there's going to be – the debate's going to be 
how much better is this offense than anything else college football has ever seen? That's really what we're talking about here. These The seniors that came back, they came back to win a championship and finish the drill. They're going to do it, but it's going to kind of be heartburn hotel as the defense gets shredded by a legitimately excellent Ohio State offense. Yeah, no doubt. If it's uh, if it's that kind of game, which was basically the SC championship game, they're definitely going to be some nerve pills out there, no doubt about it. Uh, but again, looking forward to this final chapter uh, for Alabama to try to put an exclamation point on what has been an unusual but an unbelievable season. Uh, these are the, these are guys that Najee Harris, Mac Jones can have the greatest quarterback season in the history of Alabama football if he goes out and performs at an MVP level tomorrow night. Uh, Najee Harris has had as good a year as we've seen from an Alabama tailback, uh, and and you know and Devonte Smith. We it, we've mentioned him very little in this show, but you know if he can he's. His, basically, his first catch is going to break the all-time SEC record for yardage. He has a chance to you know, become the greatest wide receiver, if he, if he isn't already, in the history of Alabama football. If he can book in the catch to win a national championship as a freshman with a performance, uh, you know, uh, uh, multi-touchdowns, 100-plus yards in his final game in a Crimson Tide uniform. I love Julio Jones. He's still started this run under Alabama with his presence and with coming to the university, but, but it will be, it, it will cement Devonte Smith as the greatest receiver in Alabama and in sec history and a absolutely worthy Heisman trophy winner. This is what they came back to do. This team has been on a mission and I don't think they're going to be denied against Ohio state. You know, it's kind of, I think poetic justice, Ohio, the big 10, uh, handled, bungled this the whole time. They didn't really want to play. Well, the SEC did, and the SEC handled this perfectly with Greg Sankey, in my opinion, in many ways. Uh, and so hopefully the SEC can make the ultimate statement on on Monday night and who the man is and who the best uh, football uh, you know league is in the country. They had a good run in the postseason with the bowl games that were played. But again, they've got a chance to cement the SEC as the kings of college football and win yet another national championship on Monday night. And now for to, for my, my, my basketball commentary, again, uh, what a job by Nate Oates and this team. Uh, you know, they are now 9-3. and three. They are 4-0 and oh in the SEC. Uh, they win at Auburn for the first time since 2015, 94-90, led by Herbert Jones with 19, 22 from uh, the, the mercurial freshman Josh Prima, who didn't even score against the Florida Gators, but came out hot against Auburn. But really, the best performance was the 20 points, seven rebounds by Jordan Bruner, who hit three threes, had a bunch of big rebounds and, and inside buckets and defensive plays as well, blocking shots. He's getting comfortable playing with this group as a graduate transfer from Yale. A, a lot of experience, but a great mix as well of youth uh, with Josh Primo. Uh, they And doing this without Javon Quinterly, uh, their, point, their only true point guard who has been out with what we think is covid uh, the last couple of games, Alabama winning impressively by 15 against the Florida Gators at home, and then 94-90 uh, to in an up-and-down game with Sharif Cooper making his debut for Auburn. They took Auburn's best shot. They still beat them, and right now they've got a huge game coming up Tuesday on the road in Rep Arena against Kentucky, who struggled in the pre-conference but is now 3-0 and in the SEC, so they're getting on track, and they were very impressive on the road uh, beating the Florida Gators 
uh, 76 to 58. So it's going to be a tough, uh, you know, sledding for Alabama and Rupp always is. But this team can do it. They're deep. They're very talented. And Nate Oates' vision, you're seeing it. A lot of length, a lot of athleticism. Uh, they can get up and down the floor. They can score the ball. I felt like when the game at Auburn got in the 90s and it was a high-tempo game, that was what Alabama wanted. This year they've got the depth. They could wear down Auburn, and they did. And so it was a huge win to, to go into Auburn Arena. Even without, you know, without fans, it's a little different, but it's still a difficult situation. There's not nearly as many fans in there. It's still a tough place to play. They played through the officiating, and they're going to have to do the same thing in Rupp because – uh, historically, you don't get a lot of calls against Kentucky. So Alabama, they've got a chance. I thought going into the year they could be a top four team in the SEC. They're proving me right, uh, and they've got a chance to have a special season. They, 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 you know, they had some bumps in the road early, but they were trying to get their chemistry down. And it's a lot of new guys on this squad. Seventy-five percent of these guys are new, but they're very talented. You can see Nate Oates, you know, what he and his staff what they envisioned when they when they put this team together. And they're coaching them very well, coaching them very hard. And you've seen John Petty and James Rojas. They came back from a suspension after the Western Kentucky game, did not play against East Tennessee State, but have played very well uh, in SEC play. John Petty playing – he didn't shoot the ball well yesterday, but he, had, he scored 10 points, got on the glass, and played outstanding defense in the last five minutes of the game against Auburn. And the key to, get, to getting a road win in Kentucky – is giving yourself a chance in the last four minutes to win it. But I think Alabama is one of the best teams in the SEC. Everybody needs to get on the Nate Oates train. It's only going to get better. He's going to bring in an outstanding recruiting class next year, have a chance to have another really good really good team. It's a fun style of play to watch, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and they're really starting to hit their stride, and they're playing much, much better defense with the length and athleticism uh, that they have this year than they did a year ago. I mean, the shooting has come and gone this year. Uh, but, again, they scored 94 and didn't shoot the ball that well at Auburn. So that shows you what they're capable of doing. And they're only going to continue to get better, in my opinion. But an outstanding job by Nate Oates and the boys going to Auburn, getting a huge win. And now, uh, with this 4-0 start, having a chance uh, to go to Kentucky and really uh, stake their claim maybe as the best team in the SEC because it looked like it was Tennessee early, but they've already gone to Tennessee and won. Tennessee's a very good team, but I think Alabama basketball is definitely on the rise and very excited about that. But we hope everyone has enjoyed our preview of the national championship game. We'll certainly come to you next week uh, and uh, wrap up the season, hopefully number 18 for Alabama and to separate Nick Saban from all coaches in college football history, his seventh national championship. What an accomplishment that would be. We'll, of course, probably have coaching staff news as there's going to be a lot of some movement for the University of Alabama. And then we're going to start concentrating on recruiting down the stretch. As the tide is going to, we're going to try to reel in a, a, you know, a couple more pieces to that puzzle, no doubt about it. But for William Redfish Barger, uh, and for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm your host, Judy Armand. We hope you've enjoyed another edition of BAMS Radio. Good night and roll tide. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.